Welcome to the offer. The no sugar added approach to the talent triangle with an honest approach to employers, candidates, and recruiters. I am your host, Michael Glinter. The offer So today's bonus episode, being resilient and overcoming obstacles while using LinkedIn to build success, is inspired by a gentleman who reached out to me with regards to doing a podcast together on the value of LinkedIn and and how you could use LinkedIn to be successful. And the podcast we're doing today is not exactly that. Um, I wanted to talk about his story because his story is what really resonates to me and what makes him extraordinarily valuable to others is to listen to, you know, really his story of how he rose to success. He fell down that hill to get back up to rise to success again. And I think that this is a story that will hopefully help others who have gone through times of failure or have gone, t- gone through times where they've fell- fallen and they thought, am I ever going to get back up again? Uh, I think Scott will bring forward that, that excitement level that you can actually do that. So I want to introduce a guy, um, very awesome guy that I met the other day. Uh, he is a best-selling author. He's a public speaker. Uh, he does coaching on how to use LinkedIn. Uh, and he has an inspiring story that I think we all need to listen to and pay attention to. So uh, let me welcome Scott. This is Scott. Hey, Scott, it's Mike Winter. Michael, how are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. You know, I've, I've looked at your background a couple of times, and it's very fascinating. Um, so I, I kind of like to understand your story because you said on your website that you, you became a millionaire in your 20s. Um, but then lost it all and had to kind of mm-hmm. rebuild or restart, uh, which mm-hmm. I imagine has kind of inspired you to kind of be what you, what you are today as far as like a coach and a mentor and things like that. So I, I guess I think it's important for the listeners to know kind of where, where this all began. Yeah, totally. Well, that's, I, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to share any, anything and everything. So tell us a little bit about your story. I always, I always, I always say that's a loaded question because it is so diverse. So I, I've been in entrepreneurship uh, since I was 18 years old, and how that happened was uh, completely accidental. My my father owned uh, a few different industrial businesses when I was growing up, and ended up uh, selling his last business, and then started working or someone else managing locations for a physical physical rehabilitation company. So it was kind of weird looking back, uh, having him work for someone else instead of his own self. But outside looking in, everything seemed normal and, and looked fine. Uh, after attending the University of Pittsburgh my freshman year in 1997, that summer, uh, I was home. Uh, myself, my mother, my sister, and my father, and, and we were barbecuing, just the four of us, and my dad said, we, we need to have a family talk. And he said, listen, he goes, I'm, I'm going to be leaving the company that I'm working for, and with the help of your two grandfathers, we are going to be purchasing a fitness club in downtown Philadelphia. Nice. And he said, that's where, I, that's where I'm going to be spending most of my time. 
And we said, okay. I mean, my dad's always been into fitness. And what, what he then said uh, was kind of like the big shocker. And he said, the reason why I'm leaving this company and buying this gym is because this company is under investigation by the federal government. Mm-hmm. And they are looking at a possible $9.5 million insurance fraud case. And I'm in the middle of it. So wow. he goes, I'm cooperating with the government, um, whatever they need, whatever information. And obviously, this company is no longer in existence, so we need to do something. And my dad kind of painted this picture from what the lawyers painted to him that he would be going on house arrest. And six months later, when we were in sentencing, he ended up getting 24 to 36 months in federal prison. Wow. So I was the one that then had to take over the gym. My sister was three years younger than me, so she was a junior in high school. My mom had a job, but she was now going to be helping me part-time at the gym. So at 18 and a half and a sophomore in college, I had to become an entrepreneur and a business owner. I always tell people that I've been psychologically unemployed since day one, and I don't know any other way of how to build a business than on my own, because obviously there's going to be times in your life where you are dealt hands that don't look that great, but you have to deal and you have to play the cards that you're sometimes dealt, no matter how good or bad they look. Now, did you, prior to this, when you were in high school, did you work at all? I I had, you know, household responsibilities. I also had a, a part-time job when I was a, a sophomore in, in high school, working at a, a local candy and nut shop. Okay. And after my senior year, of high school in between uh, high school and college, I actually had two jobs uh, to make some money going into college. Uh, always had a good work ethic. I was always an athlete, so I played a lot of sports too growing up, a lot of travel, baseball and basketball, so I was always always doing something. So then fast forward, you're taking over the gym business, you're having to grow up a lot faster than you thought. Um, you did the gym business, if I read your profile correctly, for 10 or 11 years. Uh, 18 years. So we, we had two gyms. Uh, one was in Old City, and we uh, we took that over in 1998. Mm-hmm. And then we opened up a second location in Northern Liberties, which is about two miles north of that um, in downtown Philadelphia uh, in 2002. And then we were offered in 2003 by another family to buy both locations for a million dollars. And we ended up selling those gyms. Uh, we, I was a millionaire at 24. I had a successful personal training business at that point, also sports nutrition. I was doing uh, group fitness classes as well. And in 2004, we opened up our final location in East Falls called East Falls Fitness. And I had that location from 2004 uh, until uh, 2016. And because of my father's past, he didn't have the credit available to actually finance this gym outside of the money that we made from the sale of the two previous gyms. So everything was put into my name. So about three years in to the new gym, which was around 2007, 2008, I found myself in about $1.5 million of liability debt between the equipment uh, and the lease of the gym itself. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you were given both ends of the stick, the good and the bad. Well, um, you know, 
you, ha- you have to learn sometimes the hard way. And that's, yeah. that's the one big message that I have for people when I speak or who I'm coaching is that entrepreneurship and life is not a straight line. It's, it's an up and down road. So if you think it's going to be the easiest way possible, you're, you're in for a rude awakening. And something that Les Brown talks about all the time is that those that want to take the easiest road possible will live the hardest life possible. Mm-hmm. But those that take the hard road will create and live the easiest life possible at the end. And that's what I'm all about. I'm all about doing all the work now, mm-hmm. putting in all the sweat equity and the time and the energy and the effort required to truly live life on my own terms and live, live it by design. Mm-hmm. You got out of the gym business. And so tell me what you did after that. Yeah, so, you know, th- there, were, there were some other personal things that I had to go through. I, I was married and, and divorced twice. My second marriage left me with a beautiful seven-year-old little boy now, Taylor. He's flourishing in, in school and sports. But uh, the emotional maturity that I learned by going through those two divorces, you know, obviously led me to attracting the woman of my dreams into my life, Nancy, and we're, we're set to get married later this year. And in 2013, I made a pivot in entrepreneurship, and I started doing something called network marketing, which some of your listeners may be familiar with. And I was building this side business based on the belief of something that I read where the average successful person has between four to six streams of income. And when I took a look at my business, I had the gym and I had my personal training. And if I got sick or injured where I couldn't run the gym or I couldn't train people, I was out of money. Mm-hmm. So I, I was kind of thrusted into this entrepreneurial journey of personal development and journaling and meditation through network marketing and grew a very successful online business that was able to replace the income that I was making in personal training. But more so, it led me to diving into LinkedIn to build my business. Because well, take, I, take a step back. So network marketing, for people that don't know what it is, uh, can you explain a little bit about what you were doing? Network marketing. So I, was, I partnered with a, a health and wellness company called Isogenics. They are one of the foremost global leaders in nutritional products. And you know, as a personal trainer, that was a, an easy fit for me because I was already referring people to GNC and Vitamin Shop and Bodybuilding.com. And I knew the importance of having something of your own. So when you can start a business for under $500 with a network marketing company where they have everything in place for you, they, they give you a website, they have a customer service line that people can call, they, they deliver the products for you, it, it made sense. Mm-hmm. And it was very low overhead and very high ROI. Right. And what I realized, this was a, a personal development journey with a compensation plan attached to it. The more personally developed I became, the more money I started to earn because mindset is everything. When you believe in the possible, everything starts to happen for you. So when I started to go down this journey, I I saw that this gym was really holding me back. And it was my father's dream, not mine. My, My father had the dream of having fitness clubs, not me. But what I did fall in love with was people. I fell in love with connecting with other people because in my personal training career over 18 years from 1998 to 2016, I spent over 65,000 hours of one-on-one FaceTime with people. 
And all of these people had the same thing in common. They were coming to me with a problem, and I was to deliver a solution. You know, it's very Whether interesting. It's, it's very interesting because your story somewhat mimics, you know, why I'm here today doing a podcast is because I spent 20 years every day talking to 30, 40 people a day, and every story is different, and every person's looking for help, and that's what drove me. I mean, the money was good. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> but if people say, you know, you, you know, why are you doing this podcast? Not You don't have any revenue from it. It's because I want to give to all those people that I couldn't help back then. You know, something that I heard from Robin Sharma, who is an amazing thought leader, said in one of his podcasts, you know, if you want to make millions, find a way to go impact millions. You want to make billions, go find a way to impact billions. And that's the thing, just like you, I wanted to find a way to impact more people. Hmm. And network marketing started to become that model because you have to understand as a personal trainer, I could only help the people that were in arm's length of me, the people that were in my gym the people in the surrounding areas of Philadelphia that I can drive to. So I was doing a disservice overall to the people that I could impact because I couldn't work with people online until network marketing where I could help people at least nutritionally. And then the lid was off. At that point, I was thinking so big at that point, I, I realized that the gym was holding me back. But there, there were two things that, that I realized. Number one, it was my father's dream, not mine, to, to own a gym. I, I wanted to, to really start to flourish and help as many people as possible. And number two, if I, if I wasn't going to be able to get the gym out of my way, I was never going to be able to live life on my own terms. And when I realized that I was the personal guarantor of the lease of this gym, and for those that don't know what that means, if you don't own a business, if you are the personal guarantor of your business and that lease, if something happens to the company, it shuts down, whatever it is, you are solely responsible monetarily for every penny that's owed left on that lease, which for me at that point, it was close to $450,000. Mm -hmm. And I said, why am I doing this? The gym was losing $3,000 a month. My businesses outside of the gym were funneling into the, the gym to keep it afloat, leaving me with nothing. And I was working my ass off just getting by. So I sat down with my attorney and I painted this picture for him. And he said, listen, you have this successful network marketing and personal training business. You just started your coaching practice, which I'm going to get into. And you have this failing gym and the gym is holding you back. Listen, you have two options. You can continue going down this path, working as hard as you can and as hard as you are, and funneling that money to support and keep the gym afloat, or you can file for personal bankruptcy. And this was back in 2016. And when I heard the word bankruptcy, I didn't hear your life is over. I heard your life is about to begin. Because this was my way of being able to live life on my own terms. And he said to me, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being a slam dunk, you should absolutely do this. 1 being no way, keep going, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. He said you're a 9.5. So 
So on July 1st of 2016, close to four years ago, I filed for personal bankruptcy. Now, let me ask you a question, just to break in. Where was your father during all this? So when I discovered that I was the personal guarantor of this lease, and this was about six months prior to me filing for bankruptcy, so it was close to the end of 2015, I, I then realized that if I was going to get out of this, it was going to have to be on my own. So I called my father into my office and I said, listen, if this gym stands any chance of surviving and if our relationship has any chance of surviving, you're going to have to find somewhere else to train. And he didn't argue with me. There was no yelling. There was no screaming. He understood. He packed his gym bag. He left and he never came back. And that saved our, our relationship. It, it brought us back to being father and son. It, it actually brought us closer than ever. And I remember after filing for bankruptcy and, and closing the gym on July 31st of that next year, and I was fully stepping into entrepreneurship. I was fully diving into my coaching program, which I'll discuss. I remember going out to brunch with my dad and he said, you know, two things. Number one, I'm really proud of you. And number two, you kicking me out of the gym was the best decision that you could have ever made for me. Because he said it, it allowed him to kind of turn the mirror around on himself and do some self-reflection. And he said, if I never did that, we would probably be in the same situation, if not worse today. So everything had to go down the way that it did. And sometimes the most difficult decisions to be made end up being the best decisions for people, whether they, whether they know it at the time or not. So you are now doing this network marketing. You've gotten past, you've gotten rid of, you filed for bankruptcy, you got rid of the business. You're, you're basically starting from the ground up. Well, starting from the ground up in the sense that I, I was fully into entrepreneurship on my own. You know, I, I had a very, very successful residual income from my network marketing business. And about four months prior to me filing for bankruptcy, I, I launched a coaching program. And it was based around what I'm still doing today, almost four years later, teaching LinkedIn. And in network marketing, it's all about relationship building. It's all about creating conversations and trust and rapport. And I wasn't finding consistent success on Facebook and Instagram because it wasn't the right avatar for me. And I remember that when I was working with my first mentor, she said to me, you have to look yourself in the mirror and you need to ask yourself, how am I going to recruit me today? How am I going to connect with me today? How am I going to build a relationship with me today? And something clicked. I was looking for the business version of me the entire time. I was looking for other gym owners other trainers, other sports nutritionists, other group fitness instructors like I was. 
I wasn't going to find them on Facebook and Instagram. And if I did, they were on there for themselves, not to collaborate. Because in the book, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace C. Waddles, he states that instead of living in a world of comparison and competition, live in a world of creation and collaboration. Right. And we all know that Facebook and Instagram, I mean, it's what people want you to think they are. It's, it's, yeah. oh, it's make-believe. Yeah. But LinkedIn is really not that. LinkedIn is, is who you are. It's reality. So, you know, if you want to create a fantasy world uh, of, of what you want people to believe you are, you go to Facebook or Instagram. But if you want people to take you seriously, you go to LinkedIn. Michael, I, I couldn't have said it any better myself because what I'm seeing now on Facebook and Instagram, mostly Instagram, it's a mirage. Well, it, it, but it's, it's a mirage, but it also sadly plays into the stereotypes yeah. that, that our country has developed, that you have to be pretty. It's promoting fake plastic people. And that's, that's really what's caused a lot of you know, hardships in a lot of the areas of our country. And, and, and more so a disconnection. Correct. There's, there's never been a greater disconnect in a world where it's most easily to connect now more than ever. You can connect with people so easily, but yet there's such a disconnection. That is why I jumped onto LinkedIn, because I found the platform, number one, more professional. But number two, people were on there to engage. And perfect story is you and me. I, I reached out to you. I saw that you had a podcast. I, I said, do you want to jump on a call to hear more about each other and how we can support one another? And here we are, and you're coming on my podcast. Right. Well, and I can, I can tell you from being a new podcaster, you know, it's all about relationships that you build. I mean, and, uh, you know, I, lucky for me, you know, I have 80,000 connections. But what's, what's crazy is this for me. For me, you know, when I announced I was doing a podcast, suddenly – connections were emailing me saying, oh, I want to be a part of it. I want to do an interview. I want to, you know, talk on this topic. I actually did not anticipate the flood of people wanting to get involved. And there's no, they're not making money. It's just, it's about reaching out to people and helping people and continuing that spider web of networking and, and engagement. And so I agree with you. You know, LinkedIn is, is all about engagement. It's, it's about engaging with your networks. It's about connecting with other human beings. And at the end of the day, Michael, the, the person who creates the most relationships and builds the most genuine and authentic network is going to win. And that's what I focus on doing for myself and my business every day. And that's what I now teach other entrepreneurs how to do. And I don't, I don't, I don't tell them to stop using Facebook and Instagram. I don't discourage them from doing that. I do encourage them to start utilizing LinkedIn as a tool and a resource to really put themselves out there in a more professional way. What if social media didn't have a like button? What if social media did, didn't have a comment button or a share button? How differently would you treat social media than how you're treating it right now? So, Every time I'm putting content out there on whatever platform I'm on, Michael, it's not with the intention of what kind of engagement I'm going to get. 
It's how am I showing up? And if I was the end user, how would this help me? And when you can come from a place of service, when you can come from a place where you just want to leave people better without expecting anything back in return, you'll see that organic engagement go up on its own without having to coax people to like and comment on your stuff, without having to post certain things. Being your perfectly imperfect, unapologetic self is always the best person to be. Because at the end of the day, you're showing up as your true, authentic, and genuine self. Scott, you and I can probably talk for hours which is, is, is insanely weird. But at the end of the day, you know, obviously we both have things to do. Uh, I want, if people want to connect with you, how do they connect with you? Yeah, you can go to my website, www.scottaaron.net, or on social, on Facebook and LinkedIn. It's just Scott Aaron. And on Instagram, it's at Scott Aaron LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, feel free to connect. I have a lot of free resources on my website. But feel free to, to message me and connect with me. And, and if I could be of any service or assistance, I would love to find a way to help you. It was awesome talking to you today. I would encourage people to check them out. You know, inspiring story. And, and I think that these types of stories are important because it makes people that have had gone through hardships or gone through challenging times realize that you can always get back up. And sometimes when you get back up, you can do that much more. And so I think that the, the moral of the story today, not just your use of LinkedIn and what you've done with, you know, so with networking, but I think this, the biggest story, more importantly, is a story that just because someone knocks you down doesn't mean you can't get back up and start again. And you know, Les, Brown, Les Brown says it best, actually, Michael. He says, you may get knocked down, but if you can look up, you can get up. Exactly. And so I think that the biggest thing that people need to take away here is that, you know, failure is only failure if you accept it. It's, yeah. it's, it's when you overcome it that's, that it becomes bigger. 100%. It was truly a pleasure having Scott here today. I encourage you all to reach out to him. As a reminder, please share, like, post, review, comment. Uh, email me directly if you have ideas. This is a uh, important mission for me to give back to the community, give back to the people that uh, I believe will benefit. You can email me at michael at michaelglinter.com. Again, it's michael at michaelglinter.com. You can find me on all the different platforms for podcasts. And again, don't be afraid to reach out to me. Bring suggestions, bring thoughts. Uh, volunteer if you want to be a podcast interviewee. And hopefully we can all learn how we can be more successful in life and be more engaging to the people that need us most.